welcome to a bonus episode of the WASB Connection Podcast. This is Dan Linehan at the WASB just dropping in briefly today to say that we're sharing a bonus episode from TASB, the Texas Association of School Boards. It's a conversation with Dr. Paul Johnson. He's an expert on the connection between board governance and student achievement, and we thought it would be a great complement to a story in the May issue of Wisconsin School News, and that issue is out now. Look for a link here in the show notes or at wasb.org. So here's the TASB interview with Paul Johnson. Hello, and welcome to our conversation with Dr. Paul Johnson, a former school board member from the state of Ohio and a leading academic researcher on the subject of school boards impacting student achievement. Dr. Johnson, welcome. Well, Amanda, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here today. Dr. Johnson, tell us a little bit about your journey as a school board member. How and why did you first experience the need to serve your community in this capacity? Well, my journey to being a school board member is kind of a long one. I I started my professional career as a junior high social studies teacher and spent a few years doing that and then uh, got a master's degree in school psychology. Did that for a number of years and then became a director of a special education regional resource center in mid-Ohio. Then became uh, an elementary principal, assistant superintendent in six years. I uh, was superintendent of schools of a small city district in Ohio. Retired from that and uh, went to Bowling Green as a professor of educational leadership. And about 12 years ago, some folks from my community, where I'd been superintendent, uh, approached me about running for the board. And I gave it some thought and thought, well, that could be an interesting thing, being a board member with four of my former employers. And I thought that uh, it would be a worthwhile pursuit. So I ran, and uh, 12 years later, uh, I just retired from the board. The last two years, I was a board president. So that's my journey. Wow. So you've, you've held pretty much every leadership role in the public school environment. Is that right? Yeah, as long as I could hold it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. You ended up, after being a school board member, you went on actually to become a scholar. There's something that must have driven you to take this from being something that you do on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. and researching and looking at school board governance and public education as an academic endeavor. What was it that sort of led you down that path? Well, having been a superintendent and a board member, I realized I've witnessed over my whole career Boards often have a hard time finding their role. I've worked with weak boards and strong boards and weak superintendents and strong superintendents. So I thought, I want to really study what makes for an effective board. And one of the questions I had was, do boards of education make a difference in student achievement? And the research I've done and reflected on the research of others demonstrates it absolutely does. We talk a lot about that here at our organization, and I think one of the reasons why is, you know, we've seen, I mean, you know, in any system that each part is going to have some effect on the other part, and it only makes sense that that would be true when it comes to uh, public education and the role of school boards. Although, as our mutual friend, Dr. Phil Gore, likes to point out, for a long time, uh, the role of school boards was really just the business stuff. Beans, balls, and uh, buses, 
right? And the superintendent that managed the district and kept things running. Then when we had in Ohio state report cards that reported each district's achievement, in Ohio at least, we had open enrollment where students could go to the neighboring district. Now we've got online opportunities, charter opportunities, and schools no longer have a monopoly on, on school attendance. And as parents in Ohio start to look around and say, well, gee, I'm going to move my kid and the state money with my kid to this neighboring district. All of a sudden, districts in those cases were losing lots of money and all of a sudden boards started to pay attention. That's when it shifted for me. Yeah, and I think that at least in the areas where trustees or school board members are elected, there tends to be some, sometimes people have the perception that this is just sort of an entry point for somebody with other political aspirations, yes. the lowest, you know, lowest yes. bar. Uh, but in fact, your comment brought home, these are people that genuinely do care about education. They care about their communities and the children in their communities. And so obviously it would be concerning, right? These boards want to provide something more. They really do care that people want to or don't want to be there. Absolutely. So from your own research, what have you discovered about the impacts that boards are having on student outcomes? Well, first of all, they do make a difference, but only if boards uh, do certain things. But the research shows that, you know, what boards know, what they do and what they believe makes a difference in student achievement. Um, In terms of what they know, they need to know something about teaching and learning. They need to do what I call informed oversight. Uh, so they have a notion of, are we, are we reaching and meeting the goals we've established as a district? And what they believe. And, and the basic belief I think school board members have to have is number one, all students can learn. And number two, our staff can make a difference. And we need to provide the supports for staff so that they can make a difference in the classroom with their instruction every day. Yeah, you know, there have been some pretty great studies. I think it was the Lighthouse study that was done. Great efforts in in really drawing the line between these two activities, the school boards and the the activities happening in the classroom. We know that there is an impact. It's not always 100% clear. What is it, you know, from your perspective and working with different school board members, Mm -hmm. what is it that often prevents the holdouts from really uh, taking ownership I think it has to start with each board and their superintendent administrative team having a discussion about what their respective roles are. Boards and superintendents share leadership, but they do so with roles that are different, right? And and they complement each other. So basically, and this is really an oversimplification, superintendents responsible for the day-to-day management of the school district and for implementing strategies that lead to, or we hope lead to, improve student achievement. The board's role is one of what I call, again, informed oversight. You know, that that watchful care that board needs to take. What progress are we making toward our mutually agreed goals as as a district? And if we're not making progress, what do we need? What do you need to do to tweak that a bit? The biggest error, if you will, that I see school boards making, they never take time with their superintendent to discuss what's your role what's our role? We emphasize that a lot in our training with school board members, making sure that those roles are well-defined so that everybody knows who's responsible for what. And it's a, it should be ideally this symbiotic relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the effective boards that have an impact 
on student achievement are those that are hand in glove with their superintendent and administrative team. I feel like both superintendents and school board members are actually very happy to do that. I think it clears the air and it makes space and it's a relief. Everybody in it for the right, you know, ostensibly for the right reasons. And so making, you know, when you give folks a path and say, this is how you're going to help define these roles. And this is how each of you are right. going to contribute. People are very happy about that. Uh, micromanaging and rubber stamping and where you are as a board with that. What do those things mean to the superintendent and to the board member? You know, they yeah. may mean different things. Uh, but to have, yeah, to have those discussions about roles. Definitely. Okay, so the other aspect to student outcomes we're hearing a lot about from scholars and from folks who are on the ground in the district, working with the larger community in which mm -hmm. the districts are located or the schools are located. Yep. So what have you found in your research around that? Because we do see here in our state that the school districts that are very successful, they get support from all over. It's not just the trustees and the superintendents and the teachers. Well, the first step effective boards do is they create a vision for the district. That's not something that's just the superintendent's job. It's not something that's just the board's job. It's the superintendent, it's the board, it's the employees of the district and the community coming to together to create this vision for where we want to be as a district, right? And then setting some mutually agreed upon goals for how we want to get there, using data along the way to establish those goals and, and to monitor our progress toward those goals. And then finally, to engage the community in very meaningful ways. You can engage them in those first four ways I talked about, but just as a, the way we do business here is to engage our community frequently, especially when there are big issues facing the district. And that's something that I've had some experience as a, as a superintendent in doing with, I, which, with what I think are some, some very positive uh, results. Now, it's threatening, <laughs> frankly, for a lot of superintendents to want to engage the community in policy decisions, important decisions. It's threatening for board members to do that. But you need to, to do that in a studied, facilitated way to engage your community in, in making those important decisions. What does that look like in practical terms? How would you convene uh, that kind of group of people for this conversation? We had a situation uh, with our varsity basketball team on a Saturday night. We were playing our crosstown rivals. And a, a couple of our players, uh, I don't know if they were stressed out the week of practice, um, but they showed up stoned. Everybody in the gymnasium knew they were stoned. Now, they were very relaxed and laid back, but too much so, right? Uh -huh. It didn't take until the first quarter was over before I had parents collaring me about what's the district going to do about this, right? And, you know, a traditional approach to that might have been administrators get together with a couple of board members, board president, whatever, and this, the proverbial smoke-filled room, and we're going to come out. We're going to form a solution. We're going to call a community meeting, and we're going to announce what our solution is to that problem, right? That, that's the traditional way, kind of a tell and sell, decide, defend, uh, and then you spend the rest of the time when you try to implement that defending what you did. We decided to take a different approach, and what we did is we extended invitation to everybody in our community. Y'all come. Y'all come to the high school auditorium, and we're going to have this discussion. Now, this is the first time we've tried this, right? And we were all kind of, oh, how's this going to go? Right. We didn't put out just a, 
an all call to everybody, but we all, we did that, but we also then targeted particular parents, parent groups, business groups, and so forth to have them send representatives to this meeting. And we said, very frankly, we're not coming here with solutions. We're coming here to engage you in a problem solving process to help us come up with solutions to this problem. And from, from that point on, then it was just a matter of putting people, we, we did some large group activities. We did some small facilitated group activities about identifying the problem, coming up with data, brainstorming solutions, choosing solutions. But you know what? It took us about four months to do that. Now, we came up with a solution. It was, you know, to implement a, a drug testing program for kids in extracurriculars. We were one of the first districts in our area to do that. Having gone through that process, I still thought that I would get lots of phone calls. I only had one. I had dozens of very supportive. And the whole point I think of when you engage people, staff members, community up front, before you come up with a solution, you're going to get, I believe, so much more buy-in and support and ownership. So that when it comes to implementation, the implementation is, is much smoother. And I tell people, you know, it may take this long to implement something. Tell and sell, it's going to take you this long just to get through all that. You're going to spend X amount of time. It's better to just engage people up front. And I've done that. We had, we've had school levies on. We've had groups come in and make decisions about that. We had to, to close or we thought about it having to close one of our 120 year old buildings. And people said, no, it's an architectural gem. Put it on the ballot. We'll support it. And, and people did. And we've done similar things with dress codes for the community. They kind of look at that askance at first, like, Hey, you just want us to come in, get our rubber stamp approval to your already pre-thought out solution to this and move on. And are you really going to take our input? But once you've worked through that and this engaging the community becomes just the way we do business, I think that's a very, very powerful thing. Now, you don't do that with every issue, right? And when one of the, the leadership skills of boards and superintendents is to know what are those important issues and what aren't. But again, I go back to it can be very scary for superintendents and boards to go into this because you just don't know how it's going to end up. Do you have any advice or guidelines that you would recommend to school board members on how to select when and where to engage yeah. the community? Yeah. Looking back on it, uh, don't pick the hottest topic to start this with, although we kind of did. Pick something that you think is more manageable, that you can kind of take people through a process, maybe without so much emotion. Because with the drug thing, we there were a lot of, there was a lot of emotion. But I'll tell you what happened. People came in with some some kind of hard positions on both sides of that. But once they got to talking and realizing how drugs impacts their life and how we ought to be approaching this, not in a punitive way, but in a in a way that supports families and kids. So I think it's worth the risk. But again, start with something that's not so hot. Yeah, you're right. I think this approach is something that we're not seeing enough of in our in our society across the board. And I think people are actually really hungry to have those kinds of public oh. conversations around these issues that are impacting yes. everybody. And I know it's kind of funny we're talking about this right now. My experience has been as, as much as we do online, and there are growing tools that we can use to do what we're doing right now with communities, right? To get that input, you know, virtually. But still in all, I think there's a deep human connection that kind of drives us to want to be face-to-face. -face. I think that's right. I think that's right. And, you know, I wanted to also 
circle back and just say that what we've seen as far as community engagement here in our state as well isn't just about governance, but also about how and where schools are innovating and developing. You know, we've seen some really cool things come out of districts where there are large industries, and those industries have a vested interest in making sure that the future workforce is coming out of those schools. And so right. they they will partner with the schools and do all kinds of training and uh, facilities and things like that so that these kids are actually getting marketable skills there that they can take out and, and work right after high school. So I think um, there are lots of good reasons for those kinds of partnerships. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And just, just as an aside, in Ohio, we have joint vocational school districts. So we have career tech high school. Yeah. They had representative from each of their boards. And so the last four years I was on uh, a career tech high school board. So that, that, and you're exactly right. It had, this kind of technique works with so many groups. I teach ed leadership to people that want to be principals and superintendents. And I tell them, I share with this how to engage the community. And I remind them that you have an internal community. It's your staff, right? And you can take the same kind of process when you have an issue in your building. I can't tell you as a superintendent or a principal how many times I walked into a room thought I got the answer to this, all they need to do is what I say. Uh -huh. Thank God I put on the brakes and decided to listen first before I opened my mouth, only to come out of those meetings with much better solution than I ever thought of. And then the implementation is so much better when it's a group thing, so yeah. yeah. Funny how that works. Is there, so, you know, we talked about school boards affecting student outcomes um, is still a relatively new area of research. Like this is, I mean, it's not brand new, but it's compared to other kinds of research. So yeah, there's right. not a huge body of work there. And so my, my question to you is, has there been anything formally done around community impacts on student outcomes? Oh, that's a great question. Well, since you all have contacted me, I've gone back to my research, which is probably six or seven years old in, in its research phase, not in its implementation, but and began to do a lit review. And yeah, there's more stuff out there that I'm going to add to my lit review. Uh, probably going to do another survey in Ohio of uh, poverty districts that do well on student achievement and compare them to poverty districts that don't do so well and see if there aren't some leadership differences there that boards make. But as far, and one of the questions that I ask in that survey is, how do you as a board engage your community? But I've not seen a lot of that as kind of a standalone research project. That, that would be interesting to see. I'm just curious before we wrap up, what else do you think that we would like to know about school boards? What do you think that um, the future of this kind of research looks like? Where do we go from here? You know, what is it that is next for folks well, that are really deep into this? Well, I think one thing, if boards are gonna be effective in, in improving student learning, they need to really get into this notion of informed oversight. And, and part of that, not just tracking progress toward goals using data. We can all do that. But also to know something about the teaching and learning initiatives that the district and the superintendent's team are putting, or her team are putting in place, at least enough to know about the teaching and learning behind those so that when they go out in the community, they can talk at least somewhat intelligently about not only where we are, our goals, our data, but how and why we're going to get there. Uh, so I think for boards to be more comfortable with this notion of informed oversight, 
Which leads me to another thing about board professional development. You know, we know it's real important with staff, but I obviously think it's really important for board members to take advantage of uh, the professional development opportunities. I know OSBA in Ohio does a terrific job of that. There's been some movement to say that maybe it ought to be required. And I, I take pause at that as a board member, because as far as I know, there aren't any other elected officials in which there is a requirement for professional development. But I begin to think it, it, maybe it makes more sense for board members to have that kind of a requirement. Um, that's, that's the guy. And I guess I would be interested to take a look at that. Does professional development for board members, what does that contribute to improving student achievement? Yeah, that's a really great question. We, we in our state, we actually, we have elected school boards and they are required. Really? <laughs> of continuing education. Yes, that's one thing that wow. our organization provides is that continuing education. But to your original point, the, the idea of school boards, especially when they're elected, you know, they are, at least in the eyes of the public, you know, the public doesn't necessarily understand the nuances of the education system. So they see someone who is an elected official and they assume that they know everything that's going on, right? All the way down yeah. to what's happening in the classroom. And yeah. so uh, it does actually really behoove school board members to have that kind of A, the education uh, and B, the constant contact at all levels of their district because they are considered, you know, the representatives of the school district. Yeah. Well, and, and again, just my experience as a superintendent and working in those superintendent circles is there's a lot of superintendents that really don't prefer the boards to have this role. Right. right? Um, they prefer, you know, a rubber stamp board. They prefer a board that maybe is ignorant and just look to the superintendent for the leadership on, on everything. And that's a difficult bridge to cross sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to our earlier comments about how if the roles aren't defined, I mean, it, nobody wants to be micromanaged either. And so when I, I, there are some uh, empathy that we can have for superintendents who've been done wrong in the past. Um, but I think once once it's all working together and everyone knows their role, I think then it is a, it's actually an ideal situation. Yeah.